0: Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 375, featuring NBA writer Sean Devaney from Heavy.com, and Forbes is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus. Okay, everybody, welcome in. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. Thank you for being patient with us, and we appreciate you being here with us as well as we are on the cusp, the eve of Game 4 of the East Finals. This could have been a really depressing show if the Celtics were in no an 3 hole, but fortunately... Rallied, And when I say rallied, I suppose rallied started to rally in the series a little bit because they didn't have to rally in the game. It was just a double digit lead. They actually hung on to this time in game three against the Heat. It's a 2-1 deficit entering game four, which is Wednesday evening. So if you're listening tonight, it's tomorrow. If you're in another... Universe and time and space for us. Then it's maybe later on tonight, or maybe you missed it. I don't know. Whatever the case, the game's Wednesday at eight thirty. We're all excited for it, and us all here, we all joining you. Adam Kaufman, M. Valenti, producer, sometimes host of the program, and of course, as mentioned earlier, Sean Devaney, NBA writer, long time. He's a good friend of the show as well. Has uh, of course been contributing to Heavy. dot com, to Forbes, among other places, and first time having him on during the pandemic. So.
1: First and foremost, Sean, how are you? You healthy? Everybody good? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. And, and you know, the, the confusion over when tomorrow's game starts or tonight's game uh, reminds me of what Mike D'Antoni said uh, about this whole NBA thing that's going on in Orlando. He said, every day is Wednesday down here. <laughs> and that's certainly <laughs> seems to be what it's been like, uh, not just in the NBA bubble, but kind of in general uh, uh, out here in the nation.
0: Yeah, well, every day that ends in Y, I suppose, is pretty much where we're at at this point. You know, it was not my intention to have you on this show for this specific reason. It just happened to time out really well for anyone that didn't see it. uh, And Sean and I hadn't even chatted in a little while. The last time that he came on the show was, uh, Evan, what would you say, back in January?
2: January 20th was the last episode he was on. Mm -hmm. So the
0: last time he was on, it it was just a dump all over poor Gordon Hayward. (laughs) <laughs> who has selflessly put himself out there to say, I'm staying with the team in the bubble. I'm going to miss the birth of my fourth child because I am just so committed to this team. Well, back on September 17th, which uh, at this point in time was not that long ago, obviously, what, less than a, a week? Uh, Nessen put up an article, that, you know, just, it was, uh, you know, for the purposes of, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, SEO basically. Um, really aggregating right. Like they don't aggregating. do do. Aggregating. That's exactly yeah. it. Thank you. I'm, I'm super tired. Aggregating an article. Uh, Kevin Garnett believing that the Celtics are, are better off without Gordon Hayward. And, and who am I to go against KG? But Sean here <laughs> quote tweets that and says, I've been trying to tell Kaufman this for years now. <laughs> well, Sean, I'll let you make your point. But I got to say, game three, it looked like he was pretty damn important.
1: You know, I, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that we've been saying for, uh, for quite some time now. And I appreciate it, too, on Twitter that you said, uh, you don't mind arguing this against me, but you're not going to argue it against KG. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. I can, I'll borrow some of KG's arguments, I guess. Please. But, you know, the, the idea basically is, look, they signed this guy in 2017. They had no idea at that point. They were going to have two young wings, 22, 23-year-old uh, guys, one who's an all-star, one who probably should have been an all-star, will be an all-star, and Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. Uh, so you bring in a wing like Gordon Hayward, and, yeah, look, I mean, he's he's a talented guy. Uh, we know what he can do at his best. Uh, but when you're talking about the development of this team, what this group is, then, you know, it, it's not Gordon Hayward. It's, it's Tatum and Brown. Uh, and so you have a guy who doesn't necessarily complement what those guys do, uh, and because of that, you know it it is a little repetitive. I don't think the lineup of having those three guys on the floor at the same time is 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 great. You know, I just don't think that you that that those three guys with Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker. You know, I you want to have somebody else who differentiates between uh, uh, between Tatum uh, and Brown. You think of, of of Golden State. I think is a great example where you have Draymond Green. You want a Draymond Green type, and and, and he's he's a unique guy. So that's not those aren't growing on trees. Uh, but you want that type of guy uh, rather than somebody who is sort of like just another Jalen Brown and, and and Gordon Hayward and another. I'm sorry, Jalen Brown and, and and Jason Tatum. Of course, look, you want as many good players as you can, and Gordon Hayward's a good player. I get that. Uh, but at the same time, just in terms of the way this team meshes, I think having Hayward uh, uh, is, uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's repetitive. It's not something that they necessarily need.
0: So here's where I'm at with this, and okay. I'm rehashing things that I've said in the past, so I'll be brief. One, no one in their right mind expected Gordon Hayward to be Utah Gordon Hayward in Boston statistically speaking volume wise like he wasn't going to come here and give you 20 plus points per game at least you know it, and again when he was signed Kyrie Irving Al Horford it was a different looking team obviously some of those young guys that you just mentioned who are going to hopefully come into their own Hayward efficiency wise hopefully it was going to be that guy and then somebody has by the way this year went healthy but volume wise he was never going to be that guy so anyone that expected him to be that guy and continues to argue about whether or not he's value based on whether he gives you 20 and seven or something like that. It's, it's the wrong argument to make. And if you want to argue that Gordon Hayward in a best case scenario is at best your fourth best scoring option behind in no particular order, Kemba Tatum Brown. I'm good with that. That makes all the sense in the world to me, where I think he is immensely, insanely valuable to this team. What we saw in game three, and maybe, and this feeds into your point a little bit, I suppose, maybe this is more about what else they have and therefore what they are missing and how thin they are in certain areas versus how he specifically meshes is obviously that, I mean, it lengthens the depth. It gives them, an offensive playmaker that they so dearly need on the floor when he has been unavailable. It, it creates more mismatches defensively. He, I would argue that when he's healthy, he's arguably the best two-way player all around player on this team. Again, when he is right. So he just, he helps you so much on both sides of the ball. And that was evident in game three versus what we saw in the first couple of games. Again, not to, not to just, belabor the point but if you want to say that they're so thin without him that of course he he makes a difference but if you have the kind of depth that your prototypical championship team has then he's redundant I can go along with that but I think for what this team needs he's he's really
1: necessary they're also paying him 30 million dollars a year so yeah. my fourth option is getting $40, $30 million, I'm not happy with that. And then that's not going to be well spent. And I guess that's part – and, you know, I, I – I, I, there's always an argument that however much the guy is making isn't relevant to what he's – you can't blame a guy for taking a big contract, and I don't blame him. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about how this team is structured, uh, and, and, and in the NBA, it's – look, you got 12 spots. So how you spend that money matters. And you know when you look at the lack of depth in uh, at other positions and 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 the other the lack of versatility, you know the reason they have all these rookies that they have to rely on, uh, that they want to rely on in some cases, but in in other cases, you know there's dead spots on the roster because it's all they can afford. They can't they can't there was nobody else that they could go out and spend that money on, uh, and so you wind up with Dennis Cantor at at five million bucks uh, despite his flaws, and you wind up with. Uh, you know, uh, Romeo Langford and Javante Green, you know, all the guys who are are not contributing, they have to be on the roster now because you're paying them rookie scale contract, you know, because you're giving one guy $30 million, that means you cannot spend that money somewhere else. So, you know, there's, there's that other uh, aspect of it too, is just that the way you structure your team is not just uh, in terms of uh, who's got the talent. It's gotta be where you spend your money and, you know, injuries and all everything that's happened to Gordon Hayward, I don't begrudge him all that. It's just he's not really – he's not producing what he's being paid, and when you factor in that he's playing a position where he is redundant, I think that that's, the, the, that's a problem for the team. That's that's one of the reasons they don't have the depth they'd like to.
2: Now, that question, sir, I mean, he is redundant in the sense where he is a guy that plays the same position as, as – as they're obviously two young guns in Brown and Tatum. I do think he helps out a little bit, though. With again, as Adam said, like a, just a ball handler, and like as and I'll, I'll be frankly honest with this. I loved Brad Wanamaker in college. Uh, I was not a fan of the Brad Wanamaker experience in the regular season, but he has really done a lot during the postseason to really bring me around. I mean, I this Miami series and you know, a little bit in Toronto too. He was really good in Toronto. He's been really good in this Miami series. So I take all of the best if I said about Brad Wanamaker and I throw it away and I praise him a little bit. However, having another ball handler is huge to help you with doubles, especially because when Tam's on the floor, like, he's going to see some weird stuff. And this team's going to see weird stuff that's specifically him and Kimball Walker out of their rhythm. And having a guy like Gordon – who's a little bit more than just a wing player. He's You know, he's a creator. He can facilitate a little bit, whether it's in, you know, the top of the key or in the low post. You kind of go anywhere. He's a good spot-up shooter. Another thing that I liked about Gordon was that you have a Celtics team that's relying on Shemi Ojale to shoot and hit some threes and space the floor. Grant Williams, who's done it, and I am stunned about every shot he takes that like goes in now from three-point range. But you're relying <laughs> on two guys to come off the bench, you know, Daniel Tice, other guys to stretch the floor to make it easier for a Kemba, a Jalen, a Jason, and even a Marcus to get to the basket. And when they clog the lane, it makes it harder for those guys to get to the basket. And then you have, you know, Shemi Ojale taking an off-balance three-pointer from the corner. And how reliable is that shot? I mean, I know he practices it. I know they've, they he shoots whatever million shots a day or whatever. But it's different having Gordon Hayward shoot that shot versus Shemi Ojale. So we talked about how Gordon is somewhat redundant, etc., cetera, et cetera, But, his floor spacing is what this team desperately needs to open things up for the other guys. And if, you know, if he starts catching fire, all of a sudden the geometry and the floor changes and Boston is much more potent on offense. And then you look at the defensive side, like Gordon's a smart defensive player. He's been that way his entire career gives another wing defender that can switch up and down. He is so vital. And we've all talked about it because the lack of of quality depth, not just depth, but like depth that can really play in a big time series. He's at least a guy you can rely on to do a lot of stuff and help you out and make life easier for Jason, for Jalen, and for Kemba.
1: Yeah, and I think this is something that we did talk about in January. Actually, was I? I don't mind having Gordon Hayward be your sixth man. I think that's I think that's an mm-hmm. ideal role for him. I'd rather have Marcus Smart as a starter and then have Gordon Hayward, who you can come in and and you can say you can see whatever the week is in the, in the offense at that point. Do you need more ball handling? Uh, are they doing things to Kemba Walker where you need that? Do you need somebody who can shoot? He can do that. You know, I would rather have him coming off the bench filling that role uh, than being in the starting five. I think that was one of the points I made uh, before that I would that I would stick with. But I do want to go back to something that Adam said, which is Gordon Hayward is the best two-way player on this team.
2: I, I don't know if you saw my eyes on that. Fly? I don't know about that. Sean, my eyes got real big on that. That is not even <laughs> – Come on! You've Got to go back Adam. to that, Adam. Right, that I was that, that was bad. Second, second, that was real Jayden bad.
0: Brown? How about that?
2: Are we not? Are we just not I mean, going to give Jason
0: Tatum yeah. any credit at all whatsoever? I'm not. I'm, I'm not there yet with him defensively. Uh, are you right. kidding? What's the look, game? He's he's he's, at, he's at a much better year. He's really grown. I'm just. I'm not ready to say that when he that it like fully healthy, fully healthy that he's a better
2: defensive player than Gordon Hayward. Tatum's the best defensive player, not named Marcus Smart on the team, but he's getting close to Smart territory because of his length. His, his length is – it goes on forever, and he's sneaky with it. And you'll see it every once in a while on some weak side blocks where he comes out of nowhere and pins it against the backboard or alters a shot in that way. He's great at playing passing lanes. He's unbelievable at getting weird steals. I, again, Smart has a knack for the, the flair, the drama. Sure. Out of nowhere, diving out of bounds. Hashtag like, winning plays. The one where the the one where he stole the pass, like the cross court pass against Philly, like jump up in the air while in midair, threw it at the front court and was, like that's the stuff yeah. that Smart does that only he can do. But Tatum makes a ginormous impact with his length almost as much as Smart does. And it's it takes and he's a really good off ball defender, really smart, really watches everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's and really I- kind of fun. It's unbelievable to watch.
1: And I think Brown is probably the best one-on-one defender, you know, best, uh, you know, versatility in terms of guarding in the post, guarding on the perimeter. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, would, I would agree that, that that Tatum does a really good job off the ball. And Marcus Smart, you say, at the flair. I would say Brown in terms of, uh, uh, you know, who I'm going to stick him on their star and expect their star to struggle. I'd say Brown's the guy. Uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know, two-way player, we're going to say Gordon Hayward. We'll get back obviously
0: to to spend more time on this series in in a moment, but since we're on Hayward and I was just, I was thinking about this earlier and I tweeted it out. It's, it's kind of crazy to me that, and I don't know, maybe there's more of this across the NBA than I even spend time thinking about, but I, just to be focused on Boston, obviously, and how intensely passionate and polarizing some of these arguments have been in recent years. You know, like Kemba, you know what he is, and everybody universally knows what he is, who he is, and I think generally agree. You know, Ennis Cantor, we know, like, oh, he's a a good enough offensive player, solid rebounder, he's a sib defensively. Like, for the most part, we're on the same page with who these guys are. But the arguments that went on literally for years pertaining to Al Horford, you know, pertaining to Marcus Smart, still do to some degree with, uh, you know, the three-pointers, even though he's a much improved three-point player, uh, three-point shooter. And and now it's, you know, it's on to Gordon Hayward and has been for a couple of years, I think, largely because of the injuries and, again, the contract versus what the numbers are. And I, I don't know, is, is that next guy that we're, that – that people are going to be so rigidly on sides about is he on that roster? Like, is it Grant Williams? He's really the only guy I can think of. Is it Grant Williams that that is is overappreciated in some corners and underappreciated in others, or is that next polarizing guy Sean not on the roster yet?
1: I, I probably Romeo Langford. Let's let's uh, let's there you go. go. I think he, uh, he he has the potential. Uh, to be that next guy, a good scorer who hasn't figured out how to score, uh, a potentially good three-point shooter who hasn't figured out how to be a three-point shooter, uh, a three-and-D guy who does some of the D, no three yet. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm curious to see. I think Romeo Langford is my candidate for that. We get that
2: guy at 14, Sean. You just got to do it. oh yeah. to, to to bring it back to this series, yeah. The Tyler the Tyler Hero pick is just oh. so tough. And, and look, yeah. I like Romeo. Like I am a Romeo fan. I, it's going to take some time with him. I see what they were looking for with him, and it's just going to be some, you know, the guy that played in college with a you know uh, torn ligament and a shooting thumb. I mean, you know, guy played through some tough stuff, and it's still you know working on some mechanical stuff. But if you had Tyler Hero in the Celtics, wow, yeah. But at
0: least wow. they were they were they, but, they were a PJ Washington. I can't believe I him. they
2: missed on him. You know, like no. you can sleep at night. Yeah, but they're I mean, the they, one, they were the next pick. And yeah, the all the rumors were Danny yeah, they, was – that was yeah, the they guy really they wanted. wanted. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, he had that workout at the beginning of June uh, last year and just knocked their socks off. You know, he hit 80 out of 103 pointers or something right. like that. Uh, and, and they were convinced that Miami was going with – uh, P.J. Washington, or it was somebody else. Clark, I think it was Brandon uh, Clark, convinced and, and that the, the, that Harrow was going to fall to them. And there are people in the Celtics organization who are who who will swear that Pat Riley only took Tyler Harrow because he knew Danny Hage wanted <laughs> He wanted to, to to stick it to Danny Hage like he always does. Uh, I don't know if I buy that, but uh, uh, but uh, there is a conspiracy theory that suggests that. But certainly it's worked out well for the Heat. You know, I mean, oh, no doubt watch his kid play and and just. Some of the shots you go, Ooh, I don't know about that, uh, but you love the confidence that the kid has as a rookie to go in and take those shots on this stage at this point. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, when he gets hot, man, there's, there's, there's nobody they think he's, they think he's, you know, second coming of Clay Thompson. And, and, and I can see some of that, uh, certainly with him with his, uh, his very, he's actually ahead of Thompson at this point in his career. Uh, you know, Thompson was much more of a pure shooter and, and not really, he had to develop some of the other stuff in his game. I think Harrow has more of that stuff in his game already, uh, and can kind of build it from there.
0: Folks, well, before we uh, get into the series, I want to take a quick break, tell you that the wait is finally over. Of course, football's back a couple weeks into the new season. You might not be at a game this year, I realize, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online NFL Futures, the defending champs, Kansas City Chiefs, plus 500 to repeat win again, Ravens plus 500 as well, so right there, led by the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, at the top of the list. Seahawks, who, of course, just handed the Patriots a crushing last-second loss, plus 900. The Saints, who uh, have not performed very well, quite frankly, plus 1,200. The Niners, plus 1,400, but riddled by injuries, plus 1,600 for Tom Brady's Buccaneers, who finally won a game, even though he hasn't looked so good. And the Patriots, if you believe Cam Newton's for real and you're thinking they're for real, plus 2,500, longer odds to win a championship, but maybe... Worth putting a couple shekels into. BetOnline, it's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on to win, division, championship, futures today. Everything is obviously available to you. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online Sportsbook experts. We are here with Sean Devney, Evan Valenti, Adam Kaufman, and uh, obviously uh, one of the big stories that remains so heading into game four is that locker room turmoil after game two, Sean. uh, Marcus Smart called it uh, electrifying. He said, uh, I wish I could think of the quote exactly, but it was something to the effect of, you know, for for there to be a rainbow it's got a storm first whatever something along <laughs> yeah, those so, lines yeah, hates, yeah. You know, hates to obviously hates to lose more than he loves to win I mean the guy, the guy was a quote machine when he met yeah. with the media earlier this week and it's one of those things we all know this working in the media or just being sports fans it's one of those things that if it works out it galvanizes you and it's great and everybody says says how productive it was and then you have idiots like me joking hope they fought in the locker room after they won game three too let's keep it up and then of course on the other side if it doesn't work out and they come out and they lose by 10 in game three it's well this team is just as gary washburn tweeted at the time that it was going on he's standing outside the locker room they're imploding like this is this is a problem everything's going to hell danny's gonna need to shake it up this offseason and uh so it's it's those narratives follow the results, but obviously we saw the victory and we saw how together this group continues to be in the videos that are out there at Disney and all of that. What does it all mean after a four day layoff going into game four, you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think it means much. I think uh, the four days off, you know, there's, there's the, 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 the theory that they'd rather play the next day, you know, you win a game, you want to get back out there and, and continue doing what you're doing. I think this team, you know, given what the last, And really going back to the Toronto series, where they just had a lot of trouble holding leads in that series as well. Uh, You know, getting points, scoring points, that was physical. Uh, Everything was difficult in that Toronto series. And they come into the Miami series, and things are easier until you get to the last five minutes uh, of of each of these games. And really, even the one that they won, uh, you know, the last five minutes did not go well. Um, so you know I think that 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 having a few days off here and getting away from it is probably uh as well timed as it could be for them so uh, you know I think that 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 getting a chance to sit down and just watch film um, you know get 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 some of that uh, uh that tension that it built up get get all that stuff out uh be able to come back and 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 just start over a little bit in this series uh, I think that's huge for this team um you know I, the, the 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 whole thing about the what, what was heard you know Gary was was one of the people and Gary said in, in one of his tweets you know I've never heard anything like this uh, you wouldn't hear anything like that though because when you go into uh, uh, an NBA arena when you go into the Celtics locker room you're going through like two separate doors of uh, two separate uh, double doors you're going around right. the corner a lot of a lot of locker rooms have a hallway uh, so you know this stuff usually is pretty muted by the time you know it, it doesn't we don't hear it. You know, we could be standing right outside the locker room and don't hear it. Down in the bubble, that's different. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you, you probably heard some stuff you haven't heard before as, as reporters, uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean it wasn't going on in the locker rooms mm-hmm. before. It was just, you know, we, we there's there, there's too much distance, uh, and we don't always hear that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it, it you know, Jalen Brown said it was blown out of proportion. I think that's probably true. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, People were mad, no question, and they should have been. You know, given given the way things had gone uh, in those first few games.
0: Well, and I, I was I remember tweeting at the time, and obviously I wasn't down there. And this was before the players had even spoken yet. And like Kemba didn't say anything about it. Like you said, Brown said it was blown out of proportion. I think Tatum maybe said it was, you know, it was a good thing. Or there was there was a lot of uh, just emotion. Obviously, all Cash the things and, and yeah, Smart yeah. said and Brad said and all of that stuff. You know, people were tweeting at the time like, "This is a problem. This is bad." And and I just kept responding to people saying, "Well, why? I mean, like, should I mean it, they're down 0-2 and they've blown double-digit leads in both. Shouldn't they be pissed off? Like, shouldn't there be some someone, whether it's Smart or someone else? Like, shouldn't somebody be demanding accountability? Like, they should be ticked off. It would be and Smart has said this since as well. I think yesterday. If they were down 0-2 and they and they weren't arguing, like that's the problem, or, right. or at least if they if they weren't frustrated, if they weren't pissed off, that's when you get concerned. That's that's when you think back to blowing the you know doors off the bucks in game one and then mailing
1: it in for exactly. four straight with Kyrie Irving there. That's that troubles me. Not this. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. That that's what I thought of too. Is is last year as that series was unraveling uh, and the team was unraveling. Uh, nobody cared, you know, just nobody cared. They were kind of already punched out. Uh, so I would much rather have a team that is, that is uh, you know, doing this sort of fiery uh, show in the, in the locker room afterwards. Uh, I'll take that over, uh, uh, you know, just the uh, uh, both teams played hard thing, uh, which is what we got last year.
2: Yeah, it's got to be a sense of accountability. I mean, there really has to. And and the fact that it comes from Smart, there's no shock, I think, to anybody, right? You know, he's he's the energy guy, and he's a guy that's that's going to hold people accountable, which I like, and I've always liked Smart for a lot of stuff. And, you know, his leadership off, on the floor has, you know, been evident since the first time he took the floor with the Celtics. And I know Mark there's
0: – Smart for Captain Brad. Just do it. He doesn't do that. I mean, I know, you know, we're all begging anyway. for him.
2: He's not going to do it. But, I mean, there's – look, there's – all sorts of leaders, right? And they're and they just you know Al Horford was a leader, quote unquote, but it wasn't a vocal guy. He's a guy that does it more by example and on the court and talk taking guys aside and doing it on the down low. I don't think Kemba, you know, Kemba is a great guy to have in your locker room and is a good leader, but I don't think his you know, his uh his his choice of of motivation, so to speak, is to get in your face and get all and, and to yell at you. But smart's just one of those guys is a fiery guy. And Jalen Brown doesn't take Any shit from anybody, and we've (laughs) he just does it. No, he just flat out does not with anybody. And and is you know if Smart's saying stuff, and and I'm not. And Tom Westrom pointed this out in Game Three, like or Game Two. Jalen had some weird body language going on in Game Two, where it was like you know he was open for a couple of times, and they were getting the ball. And then late in the game, he tries to bail him out, almost does, and then misses the three in the corner um, to unfortunately lose it for Boston. But I don't have any problem with guys getting emotionally involved. And Brad just has to sit back and just let his, his team kind of figure it out themselves. And, and you know, the next day, I think that later that night, actually, they did a, like a late-night film session. And that the, the, the main point was that argument brought them together later to, to, to work. And so whatever you want – you can have arguments all you want. If you can get past it and use it as motivation to sit down – come together and have those four guys in a room and say, Yeah, we gotta sit down, and watch the tape. Here's what we did, bro. We can do this, 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 and this. And then they come out in game three and do what they did in game three, have that big lead. It showed that they actually that all meant something. If, like so you know, if they come out and are flat and are dead, that has a complete opposite effect and yes, Danny has to blow it up. But when you get to the they come out, great energy, up twenty, whatever, and then all of a sudden things get weird, but they have at least the 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 mindset of, hey, this is what's been happening to us every game so far. We can't let this happen again. It actually refocuses a little bit, and it did a lot of good. So, you know, again, people have put it way out of proportion. Teams fight all the time, all the time, more than you even know. I mean, you go back and you you'll talk to broadcasters, talk to PR guys that are on the planes and the flights with people. They'll tell you that a lot of stuff happens that the, yeah. the public doesn't know about and will never know about because that's – That's where it dies. It dies right there, and you move on. I mean, we had Grandion, I think, after the famous plane trip with Kyrie out west, right? And he was like, the 08 Celtics fought constantly, and they won a title. They were unbelievably good on both ends from the get-go. So don't look a lot into this. It's just a part of sports. You have ultra-competitive guys, right? All of them are ultra-competitive, all wanting the same thing, all having different ideas to get there. The main point being they come back together to the table, 1 o'clock in the morning, sit with Brad, go over film, and in game three they had the right energy from the jump. It shows you that it was a good thing, not a bad thing.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point about Brad, Evan, and I, and I think that this is uh, as much a test for him as it is for, for the players, that you know he's, he's, he's had his best seasons with this team with uh, sort of uh, NBA versions of Butler you know, with the underdog who isn't expected to do much, uh, you know, the Isaiah Thomas, Saver, Bradley, Jay Crowder team, uh, and then uh, the 2018 team where, where Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward were hurt. Uh, you know, he, he, he does well with the overachievers. Uh, you know, when you have enough talent to where you should win, that's, that's a tough challenge for a coach. You know, that's, that's, that's where you have to be uh, in control of the locker room. And and if you've had it, if there's been a criticism of him over the years, it's that he has approached this too much like a college coach. Uh, you know, you hear that from some veterans here and there um, that uh, that the communication is, is, is not always what it should be um, because, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of, he's not getting into the locker room and, and, and making sure it's being, uh, uh, you know, run the right way, you uh, you know because it's it's not been his bag, it's not something that he's done coming up as coach so um, you know if if he's at a point now where where he is doing that and and he does have a good feel for that and he has a confidence level in his ability to uh, you know get his star players uh, together and get them on a, on the same page then uh, uh, you know hammering out those chemistry issues as a coach uh, that's that, that, that that's a tough part of the job. Uh, and and this is a test for him in terms of how he handles that as well. And and so far so good. I mean, they won the next game uh, and they played great. So uh, you know you have to give your give him some credit for that.
0: You know, I mentioned all those polarizing players, and I you know probably should have included obviously Brad Stevens the coach because as soon as they lost game two, that's when it was just a firestorm on Twitter, as it so often is whenever you know a team underachieves. But you see it more often than not with. Brad Stevens and the Celtics because I think he is universally uh, across the league regarded as one of the better young coaches. He's been around for a while now. He's, it's, I mean, he's still young compared to say a Greg Popovich, but you know, he, it's not like he just got here. He's been around for a bit. He was just extended. He's going to be around longer and probably even beyond that. He, He loves Boston Celtics love him. It's a winning combination in that sense. But the complaint from people obviously is but what has he won? And I would say, well, he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals. This is now three times in the last four years. It's not like the guy's a pushover, but people look at it and say, fine, but they get there and they lose. Now, the first time you had LeBron James on the other side, completely overmatched, there was no chance. You know That next time, uh, get to game seven, frankly, probably should have won that series even without Irving and Hayward. And uh, obviously they did end up falling short with with really young guys. I mean, that was year one for Tatum. Brown was year two. Now this year, I think a lot of people took Miami for granted going into this, at, despite the way they took it uh, you know, to the Bucks the way they did. But this is an incredibly hot shooting team, a versatile team, a deep team, just a really talented team that is beatable. We've seen that. I mean, Celtics could be up 3-0. They could be down 0-3. I mean, this thing could go – either way through these first three games and they just happen to be in a two one hole, but it keeps coming back to Brad, whether it's, you know, people attacking a lack of adjustments or people just saying what the hell basically with no further explanation needed. It's just, why are you losing? Why are you blowing leads? Why are you doing X, Y, and Z with the rotation? Why aren't you using a timeout here as opposed to there? Why'd you use that challenge there as opposed to there? The man is the team loses the man goes under attack. And I guarantee if and when they lose this series, it's going to be fire Brad Stevens from the vocal (laughs) minority on Twitter and on social media. And so, you know, I'm still, I'm a Brad guy. Evan's a Brad guy. I think you're a Brad guy. And and a a lot of us are, but are there any justifications to the argument on the other side, feeling that he's underachieving at all?
1: No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) I think this team is, um, is about where it should be. Um, you know, I think that, uh, like I said, and and a lot of it comes back to not Brad, but Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge made a choice uh, to stick with the young guys uh, on this team. They, they could have gone with uh, a veteran. They could have signed a veteran and and got rid of a Javante Green or, or somebody else on the roster. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 they could. They had. The, they had that opportunity. That they, they could have done that. Either at the trading deadline or by signing somebody uh, uh, after uh, in that whole free agent mix. There wasn't anybody great available, but they they could have done that. That was a an option. Um, and you don't and, want Marcus Morris back on the team. Well, uh, there, how about Marquise? Could you know, have signed Crawford, right? Hill had Marquise, right? I mean, keep one. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but uh, but you know, I mean, you know they. They had that opportunity and uh, and and they chose not to. They chose to stick with the young guys. Uh, so that that puts a ceiling, though, on 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 what you can expect. Uh, and I think that the Eastern Conference Finals for this team, if you if you had looked at them to start the year and said this is going to be the roster uh, when the year ends uh, in September, I don't think anybody expected that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know when, when when the season ends in, in the Eastern, you know if if you're in the Eastern Eastern Conference Finals, that's good. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that, uh, uh, that you can really argue that is not good. Uh, you know, but that- people don't
0: look at it that way. They look at it and say, if it's Giannis on the other side, if it's the Bucks on the other side, you're supposed to lose that series. That's the best team in the regular season in the Eastern Conference. You're playing the Heat, led by Jimmy Butler, who's already blown a series lead against you in the past when he was with a very different Chicago team. And that's the lower-seeded team, a team that you played well against during the regular
1: season. You're supposed to win this series, and if you don't, you failed. And so you're gonna fire the coach? I mean, that that, that I know you're playing devil's advocate there, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I you know, it, it's uh, you know to fire the coach for that. I, and first of all, I don't understand any of these teams. Indiana firing Nate McMillan. Yeah, playing in this bubble. I mean, you're you're play, you're play, You, you had four months off. Uh, you had a team that that was playing well. That was playing without Victor Oladipo in there, and then and then you're gonna come down and and you don't you don't do. Uh, wonderfully in the playoffs you're playing in a bubble in a in a, in a on, on the Disney World campus uh, I, I just you know to 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 take any of that and to treat it like it's a normal season and we underachieved nothing's normal here, you know, nothing's normal here. And, and so, uh you know, that, that, that would be point number one, but then specifically, I think, look, it, it, even if this had been a normal season and, and the Celtics were to end at the end of May in the Eastern conference finals, I think you'd have to be uh, good with that. If Miami is a team that, that, that gets hot, beats Milwaukee the way they did uh, pretty handily, uh, and then uh, and then comes in and beats you in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think you tip your cap and you say, you know what, we're going to be uh, pretty good next year. Miami might be good next year. Uh, we'll probably see them again.
2: Yeah. Most and, and people and just
0: yeah. think they're playing for the right to lose to the Lakers
2: anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if pe- some people are stupid. Some people have <laughs> weird opinions. And I'm just going to – because if you watch – not on watch, Twitter. Come on. Oh, right, right. It's only only legit opinions on Twitter. Um but I like, threaten to quit Twitter at least once a week,
0: and I swear one of these <laughs> days.
2: I can't. I can't I'm do it. I can't I can't quit Twitter. It's just too much uh too much fun sometimes with some people. But with the Brad stuff, like you know, Brad clearly makes adjustments. But what people don't understand is there are people out there that have to execute said adjustment. Like right. it. I don't think that Brad's asking Jason Tatum to sit there dribbling the ball out, you know, for 17 seconds when there's 19 seconds left and want him to take a step back three with the game on the line. Like, that's probably not what he was looking for. He's probably looking for a little bit more motion than that. But, you know, that's – the players are on the, on the court doing what they can. There's two sides of this coin. And actually, Sean bringing up Danny Ainge, his construction of the roster is also needs to be calculated here that people don't really think mm-hmm. about. Um, but when it comes to – execution on the floor like brad can do all he wants right he can set up the perfect zone for the out-of-bounds play he can bring in taco fall to guard the inbounds pass but kyle lowry still got to make a pass to og and across the floor in the corner and og still got to hit that shot and With so as second left and as people were going bananas and i heard some oh you should have this 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 and this and yeah you could make that argument but that's a weird argument to make when Kyle Lowry just threw the ball over a seven foot six guy to a guy across the floor, and and by the way, like there was a late contest, but it was somewhat there. And and OG just hit a great shot with .5 seconds left. Sometimes yeah. the other team does stuff that's just remarkable, like the Jimmy Butler three at the end of game one to force it, or was it end of game, began of game one to force it into overtime, or end of game two, the the, the fadeaway three in the corner. That's and Kirk Goldsberry pointed out. That's not a good shot for Jimmy Butler. He rarely makes that shot, but he made it. Congratulations! His shot later in the overtime when he hits it over Tatum and just throws it up because he know he's I'm getting fouled. Might as well throw it up and it kicks off the glass and one. That's a great shot by Jimmy Butler. Sometimes, especially now in the playoffs when everybody's good. Okay? You're not playing the Charlotte Hornets anymore. You're not playing the Knicks anymore. You're not playing this broken-down Golden State team anymore. You're playing teams that are really good. This this Heat team is excellent. Jimmy Butler is nails to the end of games. Sometimes the other team makes a play. And you, what you do is you tip your cap, say, great yeah. job, go back to the drawing board, and come up with a couple of the, – the, the beauty of Brad and the one thing I love about Brad and the one thing that drove me nuts about Nick Nurse, and I love Nick, but his antics to the sidelines drive me through the wall. I mean, I really can't take it. Brad's demeanor of, like, whatever, uh, it's never up or down. It's always right. here. I find very helpful. Like, does he Life get coach. the enough? of – no, but, like, uh, there's there's been I, – I forget. Maybe it was the Gerald Wallace to Jeff Green shot in Miami against, uh, against LeBron where Gerald threw it very similar to Kyle Lowry – yeah. And, uh, and OG, where he throws the ball inbounds to Jeff Green. Jeff Green takes a fadeaway three into the front row in Miami, and he buries it. And if you look at Brad's face, Brad just was like stoic. And like, just walked off the floor. Yeah. I would rather have that guy coaching a team through some really tough times than the guy that's up and down all over the place, and you can't – and he's in the corner distracting Jason Tatum, trying to throw the ball to, to Daniel Tice and causing a turnover. Like, I Act never like had like you've Brad. been there before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's, that's just my opinion. And people that get on Brad, there are things you get on Brad for, but as Sean points out, sometimes you have to look above Brad to Danny and understand why Brad's doing what he's doing. And I don't think people do that enough for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's not infallible. No one's asking him to be. It doesn't mean you fire the guy when things don't go right for a particular game or series, especially when yeah. they're just, you know, justifiable reasons. But in the interest of time, I want to hit on this. Uh, Adam Silver uh, commissioner, of course, for the NBA told Bob Costas on CNN that his best guess, I don't think this should shock anybody, by the way, his best guess is that next season will begin in January at the earliest. The uh, NBA goal to read from Mark Stein's tweet for 2021, is Silver said remains playing a standard season, meaning 82-plus playoffs. Uh, Silver, though, acknowledged to Costas that it will be most likely a 2021 season will go no games played in 2020 after completion of the NBA bubble season in October. Now, when, and this goes back months at this point, when the initial reports were this is what we're doing with the bubble and blah, 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 blah. Next season should start at the beginning of Jan or uh, December. December. I said, no chance. There's a best case scenario Christmas. And then a few weeks ago, Shams or whomever it was, had the report that now they're looking at a Christmas start for the start of the season. Now we're getting this early January in all likelihood. And hopefully it doesn't get pushed back again, but, yeah, uh, obviously. I mean, this they were never going to start this thing right away two months after. And also, everyone is, it, despite the fact that, it, despite what you're probably seeing on all, you know, to everyone listening on, on your social media pages, or what you may be doing yourself for that matter, we are not clear of this thing, not even remotely. And there's no vaccine to speak of yet. And even once there is, it's going to take months until it has gotten to everybody you know, the NFL is probably going to be in a postseason bubble. We know baseball is going to be in a postseason bubble. Once you get into the winter time, which, again, is what we're talking about here, there's not only COVID concerns, but it's going to be flu season. And anytime anybody has so much of the <coughs> – or a sniffle, it's going to – oh, my God, what do they have? Get them away from me. We are not even near, Sean, this – you know, being at a point where we're talking about like – well Celtics are opening up January 2nd against the Lakers and guess what full house at the garden right, no right,
1: chance right. i wouldn't be surprised right. if they're back in orlando yeah I, I mean and and you know the whole thing the reason we're having a season in a bubble right now is to try to protect as much revenue as as they can because oh yeah it's money it first and a disaster you know it would have been a disaster for uh the league and for the players you know because the way that the, the the CBA is set up is it's it's a split. You know, whatever money comes in, owners get half, players get half. And there's mechanisms in the contracts to make sure that it remains that way. Uh, and, and you know, they they needed to protect as much of that as they could. They've done that for this year. And they're going to have to do it again next year. Uh, and and they can't afford to do it without fans. It, it, it's about 40% of the revenue comes from – uh, fans in the stands and, and and the parking and the hot dogs and all that sort of stuff uh and you take that away again uh then you're going to have long-term ramifications in terms of how these contracts play out what free agents are getting um you know they, they, they really the league cannot afford to go through that again uh so they're going to push it as long as they can i wouldn't be surprised to see you know maybe um where you have multiple bubbles to start the season, uh, you know, maybe four bubbles uh, that, that, that sort of situation, if there's a way to logistically make that happen. Uh, and then, and then, and then once there is a vaccine, once there is uh, a chance that you can get people back in the stands, then uh then play out the rest of the season that way. Who knows? I mean, but you know, because you're, you're relying on, on, on something that you just don't know what's going to happen next. So the league, yeah, they're going to push this back as far as they can, uh, because like I say, it's not just, losing those, those, the fans at the game, it's, it's all that revenue and the impact that's going to have uh, on, on, on a lot of contracts going forward, a lot of situations for teams uh, going forward. The league needs to minimize that as much as it can. Before we
0: get out of here, just to pull it back to the Celtics and Heat series, of course, Game 4 is coming up again Wednesday night. Game 5 is Friday. Game 6, if there is one, is Sunday. Game 7, we do not know yet. It's 2-1, Heat on top. How's the series
1: finish? I, I think the Celtics still win this. I, you know, I think it winds up uh, – could they win four in a row? Probably not. I'd say seven games. You know, I, I, I think the real thing that I'm looking out for is whether what the Celtics are doing with Jimmy Butler – like with, with Pascal Siakam, I kept expecting he's going to have a game where everything's going to start going for him uh, and, uh, and he's going to turn the corner. It never happened with him. Uh, and, and Butler hasn't been terrible – uh, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been what we saw. You know, he's averaging, I think, seventeen points a game. Uh, so I'm wondering if he's got an explosion in him. If there's a game where Butler just gets going, uh, and and if maybe that, that that turns the series back in Miami's favor, that's the one thing I'd look out for. Uh, but other than that, I you know, I just think that what we've seen. You know, they they played twelve quarters, uh, and the Celtics have won eight of them. You know, and and, and uh, the stat is what I think it was seventy percent of the minutes that they played. The Celtics have been winning. Uh, yeah, that's that's just they they've owned the series uh, except for the last five minutes of these games. And 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 when they get that figured out, and and maybe they have, uh, then uh, then they should they should be able to win this thing uh, despite the hole that they dug themselves.
2: Evan, parting thoughts. I had season seven. I'm going to stick with it. I guess my only question would be, when the hell does the Jay Crowder regression back to what he normally is come? Yeah. Because <laughs> one of I saw... the best
0: contracts in the NBA. What are you talking I saw, about?
2: I saw that guy. I, I I know Jay Crowder. I watched him. And it was like, oh, this Jay Crowder can hit... But then it comes crashing down to earth. I haven't seen Jay Crowder come crashing back down to earth yet. I know they tweaked his shot a little bit. You can see it a little bit with his finish, how he finishes in the stance. But... You know, they already have enough three-point shooting. And, you know, between Duncan Robinson, who's just ridiculous, uh, Tyler Hero, who can really fill it up. You know, Dragic has been really clutch this entire, uh, you know, postseason, but especially against the Celtics. You know, they have a lot of great three-point shooting. To get it from Jay Crowder, too, is what stings the most. I would rather see it from Kelly Olenek because I expect that. <laughs> but, like, Jay Crowder being red hot for, like, an entire postseason – just makes my blood boil just a little bit. I know Kelly's got a game seven against Washington in him somewhere. So I'm always waiting for that. This whole like Jay Crowder will never stop shooting well experience is just driving me nuts. But other than that, you know, I'm all right. Yeah. I
0: had uh what I have Celtics and six coming into the series. Yeah. I think I obviously feel better about seven at this point, but uh, I'm, I'm still going to go with the Celtics. I still feel good about them. I just think we've seen too much good in the first three games over the bad that, uh, You know, I'm going to remain confident. And if if ever, you know, in the in the point zero 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 one percent chance that Brad Stevens finds himself in need of work, I will uh, happily hire him as a life coach. I want Brad on (laughs) my team. That is no question about that, but that's going to uh, about do it for us here in this edition of Celtics speed again, shows brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today for your free sign-up bonus. Sean Devaney, of course, good friend of the program. You can find his work heavy.com and Forbes and Sean. Always appreciate you hopping on. Appreciate the time.
1: Great talking to you guys.
0: All right. For Sean, for Evan, I'm Adam. Thank you so much. Let's go Celtics. Even this thing up. Keep it interesting.